Gosh, I think this is, um, man, you know, sometimes it's debatable, like, which series is the coolest, which series is the, like, the most attended or whatever, but I, I for sure, hands down, think this is the series that's been the most talked about out, out of all series. Um, and if you were here last week, you know why, because we were going through the tough topics, and we're going through things that uh, not really many people are talking about or, or will talk about, because we could also name it awkward topics, uh, because that's what we were joking around about earlier. So um, so last week, if you were here, uh, you, you know that we uh, that we were talked talked about homosexuality. What does that mean? How does that, how should we, how should we look at it from a biblical standpoint? What that mean for us? Uh, not our opinions, right? Not, not our, our motives, not our thoughts or anything, but what does that look like from Scripture? And so like, just like with everything else, as we look at homosexuality, as we're faced with it, uh, what, what does God say about this? What is God's opinion on this? Because we know that ultimately that is all that matters. And so this week, we're going to kind of go, it's only three weeks uh, series, and so we're going to go last week, this week, and then uh, next week, and so we're going to be done with the series, but we're going to kind of progress each week with what most uh, studies and surveys say are the most awkward slash most tough topics in our day, in our culture. And so uh, as we look at pornography tonight, uh, how does that relate to us as we, as we study this, as we are being faced with this, right? Uh, this whole idea of pornography at your fingertips uh, and, you know, as you scroll through your social media accounts, what does that mean for us, right? And so you're like, well, how in the world does Scripture address that? And I'm glad you asked that because we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, and so as we look through Scripture, um, how should we how should we view this right and so i love how so many of you were saying last week about homosexuality you're like man i i don't i don't struggle with that i don't deal with that but i love how like we were able to take away some things that we can like not only apply to our own lives about some different situations but also like talk to people about inside of our lives like in a loving way in a caring way in a way that's no judgment no 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 uh, stones being thrown at these people but we're just loving them we're we're just we're showing them what god has to say about this and so we're going to do the same thing tonight about porn. And so I know that as we open up tonight for a few minutes and open this word and talk about this topic, you need to know that like most, uh, most surveys and studies show that, you know, you're like, well, most guys deal with that. Well, honestly, girls are starting to deal with it more and more and more all throughout history, all throughout this, uh, th- these, these years, this time. And so most men and women alike are struggling and dealing with these things. And so you're struggling, you're dealing with it. Why? Because number one, probably because it's at your fingertips and uh, maybe because it's easy, maybe because you think it'll benefit you. And that's honestly what a lot of surveys say. Maybe you're like, man, uh, you know, this is obvious that it's bad. Why are we addressing this tonight? And, and a lot of times you look at surveys and look at studies like legit things through from college students, 18 to 25 year olds. And a, a lot of it comes from that viewpoint of a lot of people genuinely think it's going to help them in the long run. A lot of people genuinely think that it's going to benefit them somehow in the long run, like with all seriousness, like, like all, all kidding aside, like most people think that take part in this, a lot of people think that it's going to benefit them for some reason, and so this is what studies are finding, and so I just want to present you with truth tonight that it will not help you, it will not benefit you, it will not do any of that, and so what does God's Word say about this? Even if you don't deal with it, don't, don't blank out on me, don't, don't just walk out tonight, but hear me out for a few minutes, what does God's Word say about this? And so one of the most popular verses, 2 Samuel chapter 11 is where we're going to be at tonight. And so we're going to look at David and Bathsheba. And so how do we take this scripture about literally a a real story, right? A real man, a real woman, real sin, real temptation. How do we take this story? Because 
one of the biggest things out of our group is that if you don't walk away from here with application, then it's all pointless. If you can't walk out of this room as you study the Bible and apply it to your life, then I have not done my job, right? And so how do we look at this story and apply it literally to our life? Like pick it up and say, all right, here's what it means for us today. Here's what it means if you're struggling, if you're not struggling, for your friend, for your family, whoever the case may be for, this is what Scripture means by that. So look with me in 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're only going to be in verses 1 through 5. It says, In the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab, uh, Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged uh, Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked out on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and, she sl- and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. So from these five verses, what do we see about pornography? What does Scripture teach us even today about this topic and this situation? Number one, pornography is a sin that starts with temptation. It's a sin that starts with temptation. No matter who you are tonight, it's a sin that always starts with temptation. Verse two walks us through it. It says, it starts out by saying, one evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. So I need you to understand, like most of the time we look at porn and we say, yes, yeah, a sin, I, I get that, whatever, you know, I know I don't need to fall into it. But here's what you need to understand. It always starts with a temptation. It always starts with that spark and something else happens, right? It doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't just happen all of a sudden. No, as, as porn is in your life, as porn enters your life, you need to understand that it starts with something as simple as a small temptation. This is what it's telling us. And I need you to understand tonight, as we're looking in verse 2, I need you to maybe underline this or highlight this, make a note. It says, he saw a woman bathing, right? Maybe highlight that, underline it, something. He saw a woman bathing was not the sin here. David's sin was when he chose to keep his eyes on her. And maybe if you write down notes, you need to mark that down. The word he saw here was not, that, that this is not the actual sin, right? Whenever we think of, uh, of actually seeing something or, or this issue of porn, we see, hey, man, if I look at something, then, oh gosh, I, I'm done, I'm falling. No, no, we see in Scripture, whenever he sees her, this is not the initial, uh, the initial part of sin itself, right? And so as you look through Scripture, you need to see what Scripture is saying here. As he looks at the woman, that is not the sin. You need to see that. You need to mark that down in your Bibles. That is not the sin. His sin was not until he chose to keep his eyes on the woman, right? There's a very clear distinction here between seeing something and keeping your eyes on something. There's a very clear distinction between innocently seeing something and then consciously diving into something. Very clear. And you guys need to see that tonight. And so most of you think that, man, you know, gosh, I, I know, I know if, if I see this or if, if, I, if I've seen this image or if I've seen this video, whatever the case may be, as I see this, I'm done. And so you think to yourself, you try to rationalize, well, if I'm done already, if I've already sinned, why not continue to keep sinning? 
right? If, I'm already, if I've already sinned against God, why not keep sinning? Here's the deal. The initial seeing part is not the actual sin. And we need to, we need to dive into that and kind of separate how that is different, right? So seeing something is different than actually choosing to keep your eye on something. I love how one person summed it up. He said, Christians, men especially, must learn to never let their eyes or their mind rest on alluring images except for what belongs to them in marriage. Our eyes must bounce off an alluring image that comes in sight. How many, how many of you have actually thought about sin and temptation in this type of way, right? How many of you have actually looked at the issue of pornography, something that no church ever talks about hardly, something that no college group ever talks about, and looked at it as one of those things to where, listen, I know here's the deal. I can either choose to rest my eyes on something, right? I, I can either choose to, to continue to devour something with my eyes, or I can actually allow my eyes to bounce off that object. I can allow my eyes... Here's the deal, self-control, something that we don't know about, right? I can, I can allow myself to have self-control, not indulge in something, and have self-control and actually control the things that I do, things that I look at, things that I say. It all comes down to the self-control. And so this is, this is what he's saying. And in our culture, this quote was made long before our culture, right? Because now it's men and women. More and more women are in the trap of pornography every single day, every single week and nobody chooses to address it. And so what we have is we have a bunch of so-called Christians walking around looking at things they don't need to look at. And all the while the kingdom of heaven is stalled because you're taking pleasure in what you're looking at. And that's what's happening. And churches wonder why college groups aren't growing. Churches wonder why 18 to 25-year-olds aren't on fire for Jesus. Maybe it's because what you're doing in your spare time is not honoring Jesus. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe the truth you really need to hear is don't look at whatever comes up on your screen on TikTok or on Instagram or whatever else you're on, Snapchat, who, who cares? Whatever comes up on your screen, that, that, that's not what you need to stay on. As you see that image, here's some application, move on from that image. As you see that video, move on from that video. As you feel the tug of temptation, take that as a sign to run. Take that as a sign to, listen, I'm not going to indulge in this. I've seen it, but I'm not going to let myself cross that line of resting on it. I'm going to teach myself to bounce off. I'm going to teach myself to bounce to something else. I see this, I'm going here. I see this, I'm going here. We need to learn to bounce instead of resting. Our eyes need to learn. They're not going to teach you. You're going to teach them. This is how this works. Your eyes aren't going to automatically wake up one day and be like, oh, I want to be just like Jesus. I'm not going to look at anything. No, it's an everyday process. And so as you do these things, you got to teach yourself to continue to look other places because here's the deal. You're always going to be tempted. You're always, all, every single one of us are always going to be tempted. But are we going to choose to fall into that temptation? And I believe that God has set us apart in Cottage Hill College. We don't have to choose to continue to look at these things. We don't have to continue to choose to watch these videos or look at these images. We don't have to do that. And so a lot of us blame it on the temptation. No, it's you and your self-control. You have none. You have no self-control. And so God calls us to have this self-control. And here's what it simply means. Just because you were tempted, get this, doesn't mean you have to sin. You, you need to understand this. Temptation is not the sin. You choosing to rest on whatever it is is the sin. And this can be applied to anything, not just porn. It can be applied to anything. 
whether it's homosexuality, whether it's any of the other tough topics, you can look at this situation and listen, just because you are tempted with a situation doesn't mean you're rebelling against God. You can't control sometimes what you're tempted with, but you can control how you respond to that temptation, right? And so you need to see that just because you are tempted as you are living life, you're going to be tempted. That's, that's, not, that's not in the equation whether or not you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted, and you need to understand that. Whether you're a freshman in the room tonight, whether you're a senior in the room, you're going to be tempted, and you're going to continue to be tempted. And here's the deal. Most of you guys specifically, you're diving into this junk, and you got women who are waiting on godly men to pursue them. And you got godly women who want families, who want godly families, who want godly children, who want a godly husband, but you're too busy looking at things you don't need to look at. And that's the reality of it all. If you want to be honest, lay it all on the table tonight, that is what's happening. Some of you girls are in the same situation. There are godly men trying to pursue some of you, and you won't give up these alluring images. You won't give up these alluring videos that you're looking at. You won't give up TikTok because it's a stumbling block. No, because you like it too much. You won't give up these things, right? And so you choose to stay with these things instead of choosing a future that glorifies Jesus Christ through your family. And so number one, we see that it is a sin that starts with temptation. Number two, it is a battle of the mind. It's a battle of the mind. All of it is. Verses two and three walk us through it. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And so what does this mean? It is a battle against the mind. I love how you can go through verse 2, and it kind of walks you through the order of events just to prove to you that this is the battle of the mind. Look at the screen and take note of the order of events that's taking place. Number one, his eyes saw her and kept looking at her. Number two, it continues to progress. Number two, his mind decided that she was beautiful. Number three, keeps going. Then David took action to pursue the temptation. And you're saying, I still don't get it. How do we apply this? Here it is. Just think about it in your own life. Number one, you see things you don't need to look at. You see it. You're tempted, right? This is the temptation phase. You see something. Your eyes see something. Men, your eyes see her. Ladies, your eyes see him. Whatever the situation may be, your eyes see it and keep looking at it. That's where the temptation plus the sin collide with each other. You see it. You look at it. Number two, in your own life, your mind decides that what you're looking at is beautiful. Your mind decides that what you're looking at, hey, I don't want to stop looking at this. That's the temptation. That's when Satan has got you. He's got your hook in you, right? He's got his hook in you. He's saying, listen, this is the temptation. You need to take part in it. And you feel like, I can't escape it. I can't leave it. And his mind decided that she was beautiful. And then number three, what happens in your life? You take action and pursue the temptation. Last time I checked, the story of David and Bathsheba is nothing different than your life today. And so you need to look at your life and compare it to Scripture and not, not try to change what Scripture is saying, but allow Scripture to change your life. This is what you need to do tonight. You need to look at the Scripture and see the sequence of events, the order of events. He saw her. He kept looking at her. His mind decided that she was beautiful, and then he took action to pursue the temptation. Did you see that? He pursued the temptation. It's in the pursuit that the sin takes place. It's in the pursuit that Satan's got you. You see, with the temptation, he lures you. With the temptation, he tries to entice you. 
But can I remind you that Satan can't control you? You control you. God doesn't control you. You control you. Right? And so as we look at this, it's the same for your life. You need to see, as you are faced with temptation, you don't need to take action with a temptation. You're not too far gone. You haven't sinned at that point, right? And so as you, as you are tempted, choose not to sin. Self-control. He doesn't control you. Sin doesn't control you. You control you. You're your own worst enemy, people, <laughs> right? I'm my own worst enemy. We do what we believe. That is what happens. Here's how one person said it. They said, the strength of temptation often does not lie in the quality of the tempting object, but in the state and heart and mind of the one being tempted. David had long prepared to stumble at this point. This temptation was not too strong for David, no matter how beautiful Bathsheba was. Let this sink in tonight. Some of you are like, temptation is just too powerful. It is overpowering me. I feel like, and it's legit because some of you talk to me about it. How do, I, how do I turn from this? I feel like I can't, I can't go anywhere. I feel like it's controlling me. No, no, here's the deal. No temptation is too strong to control you. No temptation is strong enough to overpower you. Here's what you need to see, this last line here. This temptation was not too strong for David, no matter how beautiful Bathsheba was. Often, we put all the emphasis, oh, she was a beautiful woman, by the way, we don't know what she looked like, but she was a beautiful woman. And so we put all the, all the emphasis on the fact that she was a beautiful woman, and David just had no choice, right? Right, guys? He had no choice. Not that he had a family back at home or, or anything like that, but David, David saw this, right? As he saw this, I'm sure he was thinking what you think a lot of times. Man, I, I have no control. I have, I have no control over what I'm feeling right now. What I'm feeling is, is too good to pass up. Man, I've had a rough day. I've had a rough week. I'm done with this. I can give in one time. I can give in one time. No, here's the deal. Here's the reality. You need to have self-control. If you don't, then you're going to fall into Satan's traps. And I believe we as Cottage Hill College, we need to stand up as individuals and make our own decisions to stop doing these things. And by the way, some of that means, here's it, let's just clear it up. Some of that means coming forward for help. Some of that means laying down your pride, like some of you have already done, which I'm very thankful for, laying down your pride, coming forward, be like, hey, I'm struggling with this, Josh. By the way, I'm not perfect. So can you please help me with this? You know what we do? We automatically, immediately put them with somebody. And some of you need to come to the realization that you cannot defeat your sin on your own. You have to have community. You have to have people inside of your life. All the people that are out here right now, here's what you need to understand. You can't control the amount that you're tempted tonight. But you can control your rea reaction to any and all temptation. For example, Joseph was more severely tempted to commit sexual immorality than David was here. But he fled temptation. Have you ever thought about this? You can't control the amount that you're tempted. I'm not standing here saying, listen, make sure you're not tempted a lot this week, guys, right? Make sure you're not tempted. I don't want you to fall this week. No, you can't control how much you're tempted. That's not an option. However, you can't control your reaction to anything. Even babies are taught this in elementary school. 
You can't control your reaction to any type of sin. And so we need to take that up. And so as we look at the story of Joseph, we see that he was more tempted, if that's even a thing, if that's even a word, he was tempted more than David was. But if you can remember, if you know the story of Joseph, what did he do? He ran, right? Like, he, he ran for it. He literally, like, his clothes fell off of him, right? And he said, I can't do it, God. I, 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 can't, I can't do this. And so we see Joseph. Joseph runs. What do we see David doing? David stares. There's a fine line between the two. What David did was sin, but what Joseph did was holiness. And we have the same choice tonight. So what is the third thing? Number three, pornography is adultery that impacts more people than just you tonight. Verses four and five, mark this down as we get ready to close out. Verse four says, then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. So we literally see sin being acted out. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. If you, if you haven't heard anything else, like, you need, to, you need to tune in to this. Pornography isn't just some fun thing that you do. Pornography isn't just some, some thing that is just going to pass away. It's not just something that's a band-aid fix and it's going to go away. With the right girl, the right guy comes along. No, it's literally, hear me, it's literally adultery against your future spouse that impacts more people than just you, believe it or not. And until we see the seriousness of this, it will continue to control us like a puppet. And you're saying, I can't control it. I can't. Yes, you can control it. The God that we just celebrated this past week, who defeated the grave, he also defeated pornography. The God that we just celebrated and dressed up for. A lot of you went home to see your family. This same God, let me remind you, He's not stuck in one day or one week of Easter. He's stuck in your situation as well. And so as you continue to live this Christian life, guess what you're doing? You're dragging Jesus Christ through the mud with you. Because what does he say? He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So guess what? As Christians who are pursuing sin, pursuing pornography, you're dragging your God through the mud with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you in the good times and the bad times and the sin and the holiness. He won't leave you. But it's your choice to make a decision and have self-control to actually take up for your own life and realize the seriousness, the seriousness of pornography. I love how Scripture goes on and it uses the words, he slept with her. You need to mark it down. This shows us that he allowed the temptation to control his feelings which then allowed his feelings to be the ultimate authority inside of his life. Some of you are doing this literally right now. Let's get all the funniness out of the way. Let's get all the playing church out of the way, playing Christian. You're doing it right now. This verse says he, he slept with her, but it goes a lot deeper than just four words. In this point, we see that David, he is tempted, he looks, he takes it, he rests his eyes on it, 
And now he is allowing the temptation to control his feelings, which again, it keeps going, which then allowed his feelings to be the ultimate authority inside of his life. And what did we learn last week? You can't trust your feelings. Whether it's homosexuality, whether it's pornography, whether it's a whole plethora of things, you can't trust your feelings. So we are to take control of our feelings. Your feelings aren't meant to be the ultimate authority in your life. Jesus Christ is the ultimate authority in your life. And so as you walk through this battle, so many people are like, man, you know, and literally it's in studies and surveys that says Christians literally like put themselves in these situations so they can relate to people while they're witnessing. Can I just remind you that's not your job? That's not your job to relate to people? It's Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit that wrecks people. And so you need to see this one guy, he tried it this way and it didn't work. And just as what God says is forever, sin is the same way. It's not a benefit for your life. It doesn't help you. And just, just to prove this, that sin is a choice, you need to see this. Like if David, if David would have thought about this one sin's repercussions, he wouldn't have allowed it. You know why? Think about this. All because of his sin, there was an unwanted pregnancy. There was the murder of a trusted friend. There was a dead baby. His daughter was raped by a son. One son murdered by another son. A civil war led by one of his sons. A son who imitates David's lack of self-control and it leads him and much of Israel away from God. Do you see this? How this, this, one, this one sin, one sin, not five, not a hundred, one sin led to that. And why would we be foolish enough to think that we can commit one sin and it not lead to that? You need to learn from this and see. Train yourself. Hey, I'm not going to stare at this. I'm not going to rest on this because I have a future. I have, I, have, I have a future ahead of me. I have a God who loves me. I have someone who is waiting on me. Better yet, for myself, let's be selfish. I have a life worth living. I have a life that it is worth turning away from sin because I know God has better things for me. So see this list, let it sink in, take a picture of it, write it down, put it in your car, put it on your mirror, put it on top of maybe your bed frame so you look at it every single night. Remember what one sin does to one person. And by the way, this wasn't just one day's worth. This was years and years and years because he chose to rest on one thing. Here's what we're gonna end with. All this bad news, what is the one small drop of good news? Pornography does not have the final say in your life. You've been presented the truth tonight. You've been given an example 
of David acting out his sin. So if there's ever a question, go ahead and just mark it off. It's not worth it. I don't need to do it. I get it. This is a Bible story. But at the same time, I was just told how it relates to my life specifically. And so I'm not going to go home and indulge in this tonight. I'm not going to go have a bad weekend or a stressful weekend and, and indulge in this because I know the repercussions of my sin. And sin doesn't care if you're David, if you're Joseph, if you're you, if you're me. It's out to destroy you. And all the pleasure you feel, all the desires that you feel, you feel like it's so worth it. But God calls you to a greater life. And so maybe it's like last week, some of you are like, man, I, didn't even, I don't even struggle with homosexuality, but I learned so many things, and I was called to repentance because of it. Maybe that's you in the room. Maybe you're in the room, and maybe you are found in the middle of this sin. Can I just encourage you, like, we're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. And by the grace of God, what we celebrated a few days ago allows us to get out of that boat, to get into his boat, and to see a better life. Because he is not dead anymore, this means that your sin, it can be dead. But you have to choose it. In order for you to live, something has to die. In order for you to live, you have to slaughter it. In order for you to live, you have to choose for Jesus Christ to be dominant. Like last week, redemption is wholly available to you. But what do we learn? You're your own worst enemy. If you don't let him redeem you, he can't redeem you. Same thing tonight. If you don't allow him to redeem you, he's not going to force himself on you. But here's what you're left with as we go into a time of invitation and response. You're left with knowing what sin is, what temptation is, what pornography is. And not just that, but you fill in a blank, whatever you're thinking of. But at the same time, you know the good part about it? We have a God who is better. We have a God who is alive. We have a God who is willing to take it. Whatever your situation, it doesn't have to be pornography tonight, it could be whatever. We have a God who is willing. In fact, he is waiting. He's not scared of you or your sin. He said, I've already, I've already defeated it. It's already dead. So what is your job tonight? You're asking what your job is? What is your job tonight? Your job is to bring it to him. Don't do anything but bring it to him. Be willing to lay down something so that you may live. Greatest news in all the world. Pray with me, guys. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you just for tonight. God, we thank you for this message, God, that is so, it's tough and it's awkward. But God, we want to thank you, God, that we can look in Scripture. And God, we see people, and it sounds weird, but God, we see people who messed up, and we can learn from them. They were kind of the guinea pigs, God. And God, we can look in Scripture and we can learn from the guinea pigs that it's not going to work. It's not going to help us. It doesn't benefit us. 
And so God, tonight I pray specifically, God, for the desires that people feel. I pray specifically for the feelings that are controlling the students that you've entrusted me with. God, I pray specifically for the ones who are struggling, whether they're in leadership in this room right now, God, whether they're a student, maybe they're a first-timer, maybe they've been coming, whoever they are, God, we pray. We pray for those things and against those things. God, I pray that if, if so be it, God, we, we get rid of ourselves. And God, we, we remember, and God, we remind ourselves, God, that we are our own worst enemy. You don't hate us. God, you don't, you're not judging us. There's no condemnation. But God, we are holding ourselves back from salvation and forgiveness and redemption. So God, here's what I'm praying the most tonight is that God, you would get us out of the way of ourselves. That God, you would remove the people in this room from themselves. So they would have a clear view of your gospel, a clear view of your cross, and God, as we sing this song, as we go into a time of invitation and response, I pray they would do just that. God, I pray that you would remove themselves. I pray that you would remove these people, God, from being their own worst enemy. And God, that we would see your grace take place tonight. God, we praise you. We're looking forward to what you're going to do, God. Thank you, Jesus, so much for who you are. That God, we don't have to stay the way that you found us. We don't have to stay the way that that sin took us, God. So Jesus, have your way, God. Be glorified through Luke, through the band, through the worship. And God, most of all, through your college ministry, God. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.